0: The Show Podcast is brought to you by EJA Services, a moving company located out of the Utica, Rome area, but servicing all of Central New York and beyond. Let's face it, moving can be stressful. Relax and let the reliable movers take care of tasks for you. From antiques to electronics to home decor items, they have the experience and the equipment to ensure your items will arrive at their destination unblemished and on time. They can move everything from your apartment, condominium, townhouse, single-family home, Or office with ease competitively priced movers in Utica New York again they service all of something New York beyond moving help relocation services office moves complete packaging services unpacking loading services you know what maybe you bought some new items for your office or your home shouldn't have to stress about that because they can deliver those things too. contact their moving and delivery specialist to help you have the new furniture art piano items delivered Visit their office at 9772 River Road in Marcy, New York, or call them at 315-335-0516. That's 315-335-0516. Or go to their website, ejamoving.com, and tell them that Just Joe sent you. Me just jumping in here just to remind you, just to remind you that the Royal Auto Group and Jason Allen are a sponsor of this amazing podcast Thank you, Jason. Royalautogroup.com. That is royalautogroup.com. The Just Show podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors. And my good friend, Charlie, when it comes to hardwood floors, nobody better in the Central New York area than him. He's been doing it his entire life. I mean, entire life. You've walked on floors that he's probably done. You've seen floors. You've seen basketball probably played on those floors. You just ripped up some carpet in your house, Realize you got these beautiful hardwood floors underneath it. You want to make them look good? Call Charlie. Call Charlie at 315-463-0674 or at advantagehardwoodfloors at gmail.com. Big episode 5050. 50 episodes. I know it's taken me a couple years to get there. We've had uh we've had some things going on, haven't we? <laughs> we've had some things, but 50's huge. That means I've talked to Well, there's been a few repeat guests, but for the most part, I've definitely spoke for more than 40 different people, and um, I figured that I have to have someone big on for episode 50, and I didn't even plan this until I sat down and realized, I'm like, what episode am I on? I'm like, am I on 49? Man, who am I going to get for 50? No, it's 50 right here, and I I got this guest to confirm yesterday. Uh, He's a longtime friend. And he's a long time just, I don't know, badass. If you live in the central New York area for the past 40 plus years, you know this voice. You know his name. And you've he's filled your earholes with so much music. His name is Dave Fresina. He's been on radio stage. I think he started at 94 Rock. Was that then? 94 Rock? 95X TK99. Currently at The Rebel, uh, which is now an online radio station. Uh, Dave has an illustrious career. I mean, he is the, when you're thinking about something New York radio DJs, he's the pinnacle. He's the man. I can remember and we'll recall some, probably some uh, stories of when I first heard him um, on the radio. I was young. I was probably seven, eight years old. I remember hearing Dave for And the biggest thing that I love about Dave, not only is a great guy, not only does he have a tremendous knowledge, not only music, but he is the biggest, biggest proponent for local music in the Central New York area. He's had a long-time radio show. I think it's been as, as long as his, almost as his radio career, and it's called Soundcheck. It's been on, every, wherever Dave has gone, whatever radio station he's on, Dave has done Soundcheck every Sunday night at 9 o'clock, and he features the best of local musicians. And he always says, and I'm going to screw this saying up, I'm going to have him saying. But some of the best music you'll ever hear is found in your backyard. And Dave has championed not only for for my band, my projects, but everybody's projects. He will give you the time of day. It doesn't matter. He's just happy there's music being made. And man, does this man have stories. And that's what I'm hoping to dig into today. He is currently residing in Florida. Um, Lucky guy, because today is cold as hell here well, co- hell isn't cold. Right? It's cold. It's cold. It's blustery. It's finally winter in something New York. And I'm sure Dave might be missing something New York, um, but I'm sure he's not in some ways. But, man, let's just get to the interview. Everybody, please welcome my good friend, local legend, DJ Supreme, Dave Frisina. Technology, technology. What, tell me what the temperature is down there. Is it warm?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, this morning it was frost, it was like 30 degrees, but it's up to 50 now, it'll hit 60 by this afternoon.
0: Uh, well, 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 we finally got winter up here, so I don't know if, I, I, oh, said, yeah. I said in my intro, I, I, I did a little intro, I'm like, I don't know if Dave is missing something in New York or not right now,
1: so. Well, I'm missing the people and the music of central New
0: York. Yeah, that's, that's what I figured, I was like, I'm sure he misses CNY on that level, but maybe he's not missing the weather so much right now.
1: I will. I don't. I don't ever anticipate catching another northern winter in my lifetime.
0: I. I don't blame you. dude. You've done. You've, <laughs> you've listen. You've paid. You've paid your dues up here. You don't. You don't have to be in this weather if you don't have to be in this. Technology has made you be able to. I mean, if you, want, <laughs> if you wanted to be in Zimbabwe, you could be doing what you're doing in Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, I
1: suppose. Pretty much, it's worldwide. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, my my intro. To this was the prophet that i mean i mean anybody who's not from something new york that's listening to this podcast that you have i mean 40 plus how many years in radio in something new york now 40 plus uh,
1: no since 78 yeah
0: wow yeah so 44 years
1: Yeah. holy! Nice number for Syracuse.
0: It is. 44. Right. So, um, but I I, I said that I go, I mean, as long as I can remember, I could hear your voice and anybody in something New York knows your voice, whether they've listened to you or not, like whether they were a fan of you or not, or if they followed you from all the different radio stations or not, they know your, they know your voice. And I can specifically remember the first time I ever heard your voice.
1: Really?
0: Yes. I can remember. It was like 1983. It was my brother's graduation party he was graduating from high school he was leaving for the air force like a week later literally graduated and was getting shipped off we had his graduation party on a sunday we lived in Codnoy, and i'm sitting outside and my brother turning on sound check and i'm like and i just remember like i mean what was i eight years old at that time nine?
1: Oh my god right
0: <laughs> and i wow. just remember, i just remember what i'm like what is this this is you know and my him and his friends were like, well, this is, you know, this is all local bands. You're hearing local bands on there. And I, I, God forbid, I mean, I remember that much. I can't remember what you played that day. I'm sure you might in in some archive will know what you played in, in the, in like early July, late June of 1983. I don't know if you're, you're like one of those.
1: I, It's funny. I, I don't, I don't think I actually kept track of my shows until probably, uh, about fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, I started actually keeping track of all of them. I wasn't because I never thought it would go on this long. I never thought there would be a, you know, it wasn't that kind of foresight when I started the show that it would that would have this kind of a longevity. It was more or less I was doing weekends and overnights, and I was looking for a way to promote friends that I had met and uh, bands and get some extra airtime. You know, yeah, I didn't have any concept of of what it would become or how long it would last or anything like that.
0: You know? So what, when was the first soundcheck show? If you started in 78, when was soundcheck the first soundcheck show? You know, I know you remember De- that.
1: Yeah, December 79. I was, um, I was in kindergarten. I was five. And, and, and the, thing that, the thing that always reminded me of that was the following year, uh, in December of 80, we were having a one-year anniversary party at the Porthouse North it was all musicians and it was i was spinning local tunes on as a dj and it was you know monday night football and, and i was spinning local tunes and we were just having a party to celebrate our first birthday and i got a phone call on a landline from the bar and they'd said john lennon was shot oh, and wow. i was like what the f-? yeah and so i had to, i had to stop the music and announce that and it just i mean the whole room was just you know, I wish you could hear the air leave the room. It yeah. was all musicians. That, and just, that I mean, just
0: gave that gave me chills because I can't imagine being in that. I mean, now everything's just so instantaneous. But like you were like literally delivering the room to, you know, delivering that news to a room of musicians.
1: And wow. then then I had a then I had a leave there <clears throat> and drive back to Manlius, and and I was on the air from midnight to six doing the overnight show, and. I just played all Beatles and John Lennon music for six hours and I, I collected the AP wire, you know, they had the AP machine that would yeah. spit out uh news and I collected a lot of that. I still have some of that uh, AP wire from that night. It's, uh, you know, it's just crazy. So
0: was that, was that when uh, the studio was up there like towards where, what is that Nottingham Hill or whatever that road is, right? Is that where? The no, studio- no,
1: we were, no, we started out in Manlius, and then, uh, <clears throat> we had moved downtown to where, uh, Radio Disney, or well, not Disney, but Dinosaur is now. Oh, yeah. We were on West Patrick Street, so uh, wait, no we, no we weren't there yet, we weren't in, no we weren't we were still in Manlius, it was 1980 so yeah or so we were still in Manlius, we were above the candle shop, a little candle shop in Manlius out in the marketplace I think, it, I, think I can't remember the exact timeline but we moved sometime after that to downtown so anyway
0: who is, so who is the, do you remember who the first uh, band you were that that you played on soundchecked? Patient Zero, so to speak.
1: I, boy, you know what? You got me, you got me stumped. I've got, <laughs> I've got it written down. I've got, in fact, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I was at a party and a guy came up to me with this box and, uh, and, and I said, hey man, what's going on? He goes, listen, I got this for you. I'm like, really? And he had, he had taped the first like, I don't know, like six months of the show on his, on a, on a boom box with a cassette deck and then transferred them onto CDs and then gave me a box of the CDs. So I've got the first six months of the show on CD. Um, and and I've got the whole first show. Um, you know, it's got like the New York flyers and the flash cubes and pictures with Bob Halligan. And, uh, you know, I've got all of that um, recorded, and my very the very first show that I did, I sound like some really laid back hippie. It was, <laughs> it was bad, like
0: like, like George but, Carlin's hippie dippy weatherman.
1: Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> hey, you're listening to Soundcheck. All right, you know, it's like oh my god. But I mean, I was straight out of college. I mean, it was I well, I was uh, twenty. I was like 24
0: at the time. Wow. Uh, and, yeah, in 79. So so other than so, getting yourself airtime and trying to break yourself in the uh, you know, just getting yourself rolling like what was that allure other than like going out and like you you saw like man, there's all these amazing bands and they need to be heard somehow. Like was that was that the driving fire, you know, like <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'd come from, you know, I grew up in Long Island uh, and, you know, bar bands for me were like Twisted Sister and, and the Good Rats.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I, then I came upstate and went to sco- school at Car- Cortland State from 73 to 77. And th- the following year I was out of work looking for a, a job as a teacher, as a coach, because phys- I was a phys ed major. And I was delivering pizza. I was washing dishes. I was doing, you know, any, any odd job I could find. And I heard that a station was signing on in Syracuse. And I'd met a couple of people from Syracuse at a college convention, and so I just I sent a tape from the college radio station that I'd been doing for fun. I said, "Well, maybe I'll get a weekend gig up there. You know, that'll be one of my other many jobs." And and I did get, you know, and I started the, you know, the first week it was on, and I was, you know, uh, it, it, you know, weekends ended up turning into uh, nights and into middays for the longest period of time before eventually getting afternoon drive with uh, with the Rebel. But um, when I first came up to Syracuse, I mean, I'd had friends of mine that were bands down in Cortland that, that we, you know, hang out at the third rail, you know, yeah. and uh, I'd seen the Flash Camps uh, back in 78, um, 77, 78. And some of the bands from that were around at the time that played down there. And when I got up here, there was just so much more going on. There was, you know, clubs all over the place and bands playing and, and I was generally doing, uh, overnights. So I'd, I'd go in at, originally I was going in at two in the morning. It was two to six. Oof. And then eventually they expanded it to midnight to six. But when I was going in at two in the morning, you know, I'd, I'd end up going out to see a band <laughs> and like at, at one I'd bail, <laughs> drive to Manlius and do my show. And, you know i'd see these bands and i'm making friends and and i love the music and so once and radio was brand new back then fm radio the closest thing was OUR in Utica so we were we were like a big deal back then on 95x and so um you know some musicians then would say oh you know if you're a dj you know can we come up to the station I'm like sure man so yeah. that, at at like 2 30 in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, you know, sometimes bands would roll into the station out in Manlius (laughs) just to hang out, to be on the, you know, hang out in the radio station. And, you know, then there weren't, there weren't a lot of people recording back then. There was, it was mostly a few singles, a couple of albums, and then it was just demo tapes. And eventually I started taking some of those and I pitched the idea of doing a show because I wanted to, feature some of these great bands I've been seeing, you know, the Flyers and and the Flash Cubes and, uh, you know, the works, I think right right around that time, pictures, just amazing, just amazing music, 805, all these bands that were around. And uh, yeah, and that's, so that's what it, that's how it ended up starting. I, I just,
0: did you face just, I, did you face resistance from your bosses at that time? You're like, ah, I don't really know, or was it just FM was like maybe like the Wild West? They're like, yeah, let's fucking do this, like it, whatever, let's go, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, well, it was a combination of things. It was it was a little bit free falling back then. Uh, uh, you know, there weren't consultants back then. Um, the format was much more wide open, and in fact, I mean, all of the people that worked. Trying to imagine this now. All of the people that worked at the radio station, including the people that owned it, were all in their early mid-20s. They were graduates from SU and me and a few other people, you know. And we're all in our 20s. There weren't, it wasn't, the oldest person there, I think, the program director was like Ted Utz at the time. He was like maybe twenty. Four. I was twenty-two. You know, I can't
0: can't imagine that. Be like being in some kind of business like that where it's so new. Because I think, I mean, I forget because I do remember being a kid in AM radio. AM radio still at. At, at that age, when I was real young and listening to radio, that, that it was still a big thing. You know, six, twenty W W H E N was like the channel my parents yep. listened to. FM yep. was what my brothers were like, Hey, come in the room. You gotta listen to what's going on on FM. And then people forget that there was, there was a time when FM radio didn't really exist. So like, no, I, know. I can't imagine what that would have been like, like just having a bunch of basic kids being like, all right, like, I don't know what we're doing. Let's go. Let's, let's try it. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing. And they were, so, so they were open to it because they knew that there was a scene out there. You know, the new times was really big back then and they showed a lot of club dates and things. And so the local music scene was a way to stay connected. And, um, you know, we were playing at the time, some of the, we were playing Todd Hoban, you know, New York country song and regular rotation and the flyers, you know, don't talk or talk to me, Marie, you know? Um, so we were, it was in the flash cubes, no promise. Um, so we were playing some of these bands in regular rotation. And so it was, it was cool. They, they thought it was all right that I was being able to do this. They gave the, you know, the green light to it. And, you know, again, you forget what you got a bunch of guys in their 20s running a radio station <laughs> Now it seems absurd. <laughs> it would,
0: that's what, what I'm thinking. Like, let's put this in perspective. Let's try to give a bunch of 20-year-olds a radio station now and see what happens. Yeah. You know, well, in but that context,
1: what, you know. But what what kind of put it into perspective for me, and I'm no way making comparisons talent-wise, but it put a it perspective-wise, recently catching the Get Back documentary and realizing the Beatles are all in their 20s in this. <laughs> yeah. They're in their freaking 20s. And they wrote basically Let It Be and, and, and Abbey Road in a period of three weeks hanging out in the studio together. I mean it's like what the you yeah. know and and it it made me feel like I was 10 years old watching these guys.
0: Yeah, I, I you know I in their the 20s same, I had the same thought. I'm just like man, I didn't even join a I didn't even start my music career until I was like 27 and by then like you know all these rock and roll legends were dead or then I'm sitting there watching the Beatles thing and I'm like man, they were like already written masterpieces and were could ride out the rest of their life on what they just did in their, you know, this, this past seven years of their career. I'm like,
1: and ease a bunch of guys in their twenties and back, you know, back when the Beatles were big to me, they were a bunch of men because I was just a kid. You know, I was like 10, you know, 15 years old at that time period. And, and here these guys are in their twenties. I thought they're a bunch of old guys. Now I'm thinking <laughs> in their 20s, a bunch of kids, you know? So, <laughs> So it's it's all, it's it's all perspective. But again, you know, you know, now most radio stations, you can't find interns that are in their twenties, you know, it's like, and it, you know, because a bunch of us that got into it when we were that age don't want to give it up. Some people have had to, some people have been forced out, but anybody that really, really was into it then is trying to find a way to maintain, you know, and over the years it went from, you know, working with a couple of turntables and and you know multiple DJs and big studios and everything to then going to CDs and then going through waves and now it's you know it, it's literally like I do I can program 24 hours a day, <laughs> right. beyond seven days a week with a laptop and a microphone right. from a, from 1,200 miles away, from 1200 broadcasting miles away. literally
0: around the world. Like my son in Japan can listen to me it's crazy. It, it radios. I mean, I've had this conversation with a few people of how, you know, I mean, everyone talks about, you know, they've heralded the death of radio for probably since the time you got in the radio, because that was right when, you know, it was shortly after that, when MTV broke and they're like, all right, well, there's radios, radios done now. And then, you know, CDs come out, radios done now. And like every time they keep saying radios done radio's still there. Like it,
1: well, it, it, it's still yeah. There. That was going back, like like you said, video killed the radio star. Well, it, not so much, you know. I mean, it, if anything, it made it into a healthy competition, and it it changed it changed the sound. It made it more competitive in some ways, and and restricted it in others. But you know, the thing is, is it, it the ability to adapt is what has made radio succeed. The ability to you know maintain what it does as a as a free vehicle for music. You know you. You know it's it, there's, there's, you don't have to pay to hear it, and you can pick it up anywhere. And now more than ever with the streaming, the way it is, there's more ways to listen to us now than there have ever been. I like, mean, yeah. it, it's, you know, we left, the rebel left the radio dial two years ago, and we have as many people listening to us, if not more now. Um, you, because now the thing is, you can measure. Yes. So here's the other big that's, difference. That's you can exactly measure streams what I was as you
0: know. Right, exactly. You have real time feedback. Whereas before, you're getting like, you know, a report from, you know, like, all right, well, you know, this quarter's ratings are blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but how do you really know? It's like the Nielsen ratings or what? I'm trying to forget. What is the ratings in radio that were all Arbitron?
1: Doing? Arbitron. They yeah. were Arbitron, then, then Nielsen. But you're right. The thing is, is now I can look and see exactly how many downloads. And how much time spent listening and how many unique listeners and where they're listening from, whether it's the phone app, whether it's from our stream or whether it's from uh, smart speaker systems like uh, Amazon Echo or Dot or Google Home. All of that is is viable information you can get in real time. It's not a guesstimate. It's not somebody trying to remember who they listen to and writing it down. (laughs) Right. You know, this is so now you've got. You can look and see, you know, holy mackerel, you know, we, you know, there's people listening and you can see where they're listening from and how long they're listening, you know.
0: Yeah. So, and, and that can give you. Uh, real time feedback as to like what you're doing. Is it working? Is it not working instead of waiting for an entire quarter and then sitting down with a bunch of people like, all right, well yeah. this quarter, we're going to try this and see what happens. We'll come back in three months. Now you'd be like, man, i have watched a trend this week or the past two days. Let's see if we can, you know, kind of do this. That, go, that goes for all the music and all the media in general, but man, it's got to be such a, a, a great tool to have for someone like you after all these years.
1: Yeah, well, and it also it also helps to um, justify what we're doing. It, you know, it would be you be hard to for uh, for an up and coming station to get any tread to get any momentum. Ratings are, are, are kind of um, The stations that have been around the longest benefit from it because they've got the most rain, name recognition, and that's what ratings are—is just is is trying to you know remember who you listen to over any period of time. Well, the stations that are around the longest tend to be the ones that people remember. Right. So that just helps. That gives them an advantage. Whereas, you know, this way you can find out who's li- actually listening, not just uh, who might recall listening. Right. So, th- you know, that is an advantage. and, and the trade off is, is that, um, you know, you don't, it's not as phone oriented as it used to be outside of morning shows. Which are still going to be very phone oriented, right? But but fewer and fewer people use phones as phones anyway. <laughs> right, found, right, except, right. Except maybe in the situation we're in right now, right. Joe. But but you know I can be on my laptop and get instant messages from people instantly. They don't have to worry about trying to get through to the studio. They don't have to worry about you know having a busy signal, um, and. If someone's got a question, I can answer it in real time. If somebody has a request, I mean, this is the crazy part. As far away as I am from the main studio, if, if, if I was sitting in front of my laptop and said, someone said, have you played anything from you know Golden Earring lately? I can look and see when it was played last. And if I want, I can make the next song a golden earring tune (laughs) i can literally change the next song that's going to play
0: think about it 40 some odd years ago you're like oh my god where is that where's that 45 where's that cart where hang on we it's gonna take me a minute to find it and then you gotta dig through all this stuff now it's like yeah
1: i I have to hope that the previous jock put it under g instead of e for golden (laughs) earring so right you know and 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 you know putting away four hours worth of records in alphabetical order every every day after a show is a pain in the oh, neck. I can't so, you know, people I can't forget imagine. about that. So yeah, I mean there's there's some things that have made it easier. It's always going to be different. But going back to your original point, the the radio has has found ways to adapt. And that's what it's doing now. And and we're not competing so much with with cable and with even with you know, Spotify and Pandora. There, there are other; those are other options out there. But we're really competing, you know, with just how to be more entertaining than whatever else the other options are. Right. And that means, you know, having people on the air that know the music, know the area, know who they're talking to, um, and can be relatable to things that are going on now. And you know, f- for our station, it's it's finding a niche of, of people that like classic rock, but want to hear more than the same 300 songs, you know, right. and, and, want, to, and you know, want to hear some new music from artists like Robert Plant with his new, Alice, the new album with Alison Krauss, or want to hear there's things out there that nobody else is playing that people have to search for. I've had people tell me that sometimes they'll spend half a day looking for stuff yeah. as opposed to having somebody play it for them. And that's my job as a DJ, as somebody who's been around 40 years, to be a curator, to find the music, to put the music together in such a way, in such a sense that there's a flow to it over the course of different eras of music and the different tempos of music. And so that there's, it's easy to listen to. It makes sense. You don't, it's not choppy, you know, and there's, um, you know, you don't hear the same artist the same time every day or the same songs constantly, (laughs) but there's some kind of a variety to it.
0: Yeah, because I mean, here's the thing, like, yeah, I mean, we can listen, literally pull up your phone and listen to any song ever recorded ever, pretty much. I mean, it'd be hard pressed for you not to be able to find, it might take you a little bit to dig for some certain stuff, but uh, not everybody is someone like me. I can just casually, you know, browse and make all this stuff, but most people still want like someone to like feed them, you know the stuff they don't have time they got a billion other things are going on or sitting at the office and they want some music they want to be entertained they want to be something like oh man i want to skip this song on pandora i don't like this song on pandora like give me something you know give me something to chew on and i think you know the human the human being regardless of how old you are or how young you are i still kind of want that delivery so that's why in my opinion like that's it's never really going to go away it's going to look a lot different than it did 40 50 60 years ago but it's still still on that premise
1: I think the hardest part right now for radio is finding finding musical curators, finding people that you know understand, have a background of not only the music that goes back 30 or 40 years, um, but you know is listening for trends, is, is looking to see I can look you know I use some of these other services, the Spotifys of the world, as research. Yeah. you know, market research, I can go and, and look at an artist and I can see how many plays it's getting over the course of a week or a month or, or six months. And if, if I see something that's blowing up, then that's something that I want to, you know, that's something I want to get in front of. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it used to be, you'd, you stay in touch with record stores, you know, with cabbages or record theater or, or whoever, you right, know, right. And music and find out who's, what records you're selling, what are people buying? Um, well, now I can do that online. And so it's just another form of research, but it's a way to not only see the research, but interpret it and fit it into the other music that you're playing and make it make sense. And there's there's just fewer opportunities to find those people and to get those people into radio than there used to be. So the biggest challenge for radio is finding people to program it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the platform itself is taking care of itself. Um, technology is making it more accessible and 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 easier to run than ever. Yeah. But it's finding people that know how to program it and make it make sense. It, it, it used to be there were a lot more of us than, than there seem right, to be right. now. But, well, but just, not that there aren't people. But, no, but you it, know. I mean,
0: the majority of program directors and, you know, they, they, that job doesn't even really exist at a lot of radio stations anymore. You know, locally no, around because, here, they, they just don't. They don't. There's, you know, someone kind of like, you know, talks to the, you know, to the advisors or, you know, the consultants and stuff like that. And some, that person's literally like programming like (laughs) hundreds of stations around the United States and they're all pretty much playing the same thing because they're basing off, you know, this stuff. So there's not a real program director at a lot of these stations anymore.
1: No, it it, it has, it has changed. Consultants did change that quite a bit and trying to, uh, you know, take advantage of, of having, you know, one person call the shots, um, to maximize, you know, I mean, that, that's, that, that kind of went on for quite a while. It's been going on for quite a while and it, it's taken different forms. Um, there used to be, you know, indies and promote independent, um, and promoters that would, uh, work for record companies and, you know, try to get everybody to play the same song in the same basic cycle. You know, that's how songs become hits. You know, it'd be like, we've got to get every radio station to play Hysteria this week. Yeah. You know, as many rock stations as we can, so that everyone's hearing this song, so that, you know, familiarity makes it popular, hopefully. And then, you know, once that starts to die down, then we'll work on the next single. I mean, that's how record companies worked. Yeah. And they have less control over I mean, they're still controlling that in, in, to a big degree.
0: Yeah. In some regards, but it, you know, I said this, I had this a couple other artists on this podcast and we're just talking about like, you know, I hear a band that's on a local radio station. It's getting a ton, you know, a, a good amount of airplay, like a younger band. And then they'll play, you know, someplace like the lost horizon. And in the back in the day, when they, a band was getting that type of airplay, you did would have sold out the club, but then you get to the club and there's like maybe a hundred people there. And it's like, man, this, well, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not translated it's like what this is it's so different now to me you know
1: well part of that is because it's it's just it's so diffused now you know you it used to be if two or three radio stations in town back when like 95x and 94 rock were going back and forth at each other you know it was a radio wars and everyone's trying to outplay each other and hit the next big thing and radio was the only place to find this well you know the ra- reality is is radio still around. It still has people listening for what variety of reasons, but people can find music so many other places. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double edged sword. If you get, you know, if, if people are all of a sudden they're not keyed to one station, then not everybody is listening to the same things at the same time, having the same impact. So, right. you know, you, somebody may be listening on Pandora and somebody else may be listening on YouTube. And so, so there's, it, it, it's not it one, no one radio station anywhere can have that kind of impact that they used to have
0: collectively. No. Nope,
1: and, and so you're right. It's, it's the problem is, is that the, the music community and the fans of music have found other ways to access it and get, get it on demand. And so now you've got, instead of, you know, it used to be, you could kind of, it was like a, you know, follow the leader type of thing. Well, now it's like, there's, 50 different people pointing in 50 different directions. It's, I mean, I do this for a living and it's hard staying up on top of new releases every week. It's crazy. Yeah. Just the sheer amount of music out there. How do you get anything to get any traction? It's just, <laughs> it's, that, it used to, again, it, it used to be, you could funnel it all into, you know, a handful of radio stations that were tastemakers. Yeah. Now it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's hard to, it, and it, it it doesn't benefit the bands and now the benefit the bands have to be more active on social media and they have to do a lot more work than they used to to yeah. get the same result my, my friends that
0: are so, record labels now you know I talked to a few of them I'm like you know it's so weird because when when brand new send first got into it, 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 we were getting into the business of just such an awkward and weird time. I was like, we don't really know what's going on, but we're going to try to keep doing this and whatnot. But like what's happened now? It's like I'm like, do you guys still use radio promotion companies? Cause there was, you know, there was big radio promotion companies out there. I mean, we were working with McGaffey. We were working, right. we were working with, um, uh, skateboard marketing. Our buddy Munzee became a real good friend, but he was like more towards, uh, you know, the specialty shows and huge college radio and all that stuff. And, and I'm like, do these companies still exist? And i like, yeah, but it's so different. It's now, you, you kind of work some kind of radio, but a lot of it is like, okay, how do we get to the playlist? You know, how do we get to the playlist? People that are people that are creating the playlist that are on Apple Music, on Pandora, how to uh, Spotify, you yep. know? Uh, and I've, I've been trying to get this one guy on, and he, you know, he used to work here in Syracuse, Nixon. I mean, he he's huge at, Apple music. He's, he's the pro he's programming rock on, and I, on Apple music. And that, like, that has more power. He has more power now in, in that position than he ever did as a program director at a radio station, you know, because yeah, that, well, that that's, that's where you're like, okay, where are we going to get this to pop off? Let's get this in a, a playlist that everybody listens to. And once that does, then boom, you can, you can yeah, make if you things can, happen. If, yeah.
1: If you can find those sources, it also comes down to, you know, niche marketing on certain things where you find people that have an audience. I mean, you know, we just got a, uh, a buy for Joe Bonamassa who's coming to town in March because we're one of the only stations around that's playing Joe. I mean, if you don't know who he is, then where are you going to, where are you going to find him? You right. know? So we're one of the people that his, um, group ended up calling to get in touch with, to you know, give us tickets to give away because they know we're playing them. So we're, I mean, I'm, we're not probably the only ones, but you have to now. You have to look and find who's playing you, whether it is Apple Music or whether it is a radio station with a history of playing them, or you know, it's it, it's harder to to do that than it used to be because it used to be, oh, we'll call radio station A, B, and C, and be covered. No, like you just said, now you've got to find who's playing a blues specialty show and, and what other satellite features are getting some traction on his particular music that we might be able to advertise on. So it's, you know, it's not as easy for record companies and bands to get the traction that they used to get because they have to search around a lot more to find out who's playing them.
0: Yeah, it's 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 so it's so different, but it can be done. But it's like. The last conversation I remember having with our A and R guy before we left, before I left the band, and we were trying to renegotiate, renegotiate a deal, and I'm like, "Man, go where? What? Where, where is this going, man?" I'm like, "We," I felt, I felt defeated personally, and I was speaking for the band. I'm like, "I just real feel real defeated." It's like, "Where? Where's the? Where's the future?" And this was like 2007 ish, and he was like, "He goes, it's gonna become niche. It's gonna become very, you know, niche." oriented he goes you know he was really in anime and he's like listen do you know anything about anime i'm like i know it exists and he's like he opened up this computer and he's like well this is the world of anime i'm like oh my god all these people and all this stuff he's like yeah but he goes you you're not even you don't even know about it but people are very successful in this thing He goes, that's what's going to end up happening to music he goes you're going to have this popular music like back in the day whether you listen to madonna or the beatles you 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 at least knew who they were, right? They right. were household names. But like now, even the, some of the biggest rock stars in the world are not household names, even though you think they might be. Adele is not a household name. You could say Adele to somebody and be like, I don't know who that is. That's the biggest artist in the world. So he he was right. He's like, I see music going that way. And he goes, all you got to do, he goes, if you can cultivate that niche, and Nietzsche, you can you cultivate that. He goes, you can be tremendously successful with spending less money, and everybody can make money on it instead of just throwing millions of dollars at something like that. Because the Westcott Theater was a perfect example when everything was really going. You know, there'd be four or five shows there a week, and I'm like, I don't even know who these bands are. And I would stop up. I'm like, man, this place is packed. I've never even heard of this band. And they're like, oh, it's they were big on. Well, whatever. that's
1: always going to be that's always going to be important is to have not only radio people or people in the industry uh, in a satellite capacity that that's helping to curate the music but find club owners that can do the same. Uh, you know, Ty is doing a great job down at that uh, Center for the Arts in Homer. And, yeah, he is. And Jeff used to do an amazing job at the Nelson Odeon. And Julie's doing a really good job booking the bands that fit her club at 443. And it's always going to take people that know their audience and their club to pick the bands that they think are going to be hitting it at the right time. I I can't even forget how many um, bands that I saw ahead of the curve that Jeff had picked to play out at the Nelson Odeon that ended up being too big to ever play there again, you know? (laughs) So, but it takes people like that and guys at the Westcott and promoters that, you know, can kind of see ahead of time a little bit, you know, that, kind of predict the future a little bit yeah they have to be those people are really important and and if you get if you get people like that that are picking the right things and people recognize that then they'll show up the club and they'll ask they'll pay at the door and then ask who's playing later you know because the club will get the reputation of booking the right bands and that's really important
0: yeah you know it's just I used to do that at Stylens and the loss sometimes when I, when I first started getting into it, I'm like, well, what do we do? Who's playing? I'm like, who cares? This is, we know we're going to see somebody tonight, exactly. You know? and exactly. We, we'd roll into stylings and I can't count how many bands. I mean, two that jump out in my head, there was a band called um, joy drop that came down from Toronto and they just played on a random, you know, um, Thursday night in a snowstorm and they blew my mind. And then like a couple of weeks later, I saw a band from Philadelphia called Fathead that blew my mind. And it was just like, we just went there because we knew somebody cool was going to be playing, you know?
1: Well, and it, 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 people, you know, I get people saying, well, you know, you got to see all these bands, all these great bands when they were on the way up, you know, like, you know, seeing the police in a club or seeing you two in a club. And Chuck was, Chuck Cheo was always great at, you know, being ahead of the curve on stuff like that. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, in retrospect, they were big bands. But for every for every police that you saw, you saw the fabulous poodles, you know. <laughs> so I mean, so they're out there. They're still out there. Yeah. But sometimes you have to just roll the dice and hope for the best. Who knows if they're going to be big? But do you want to see them in a club, or do you want to be sitting in a seventy thousand seat arena? Right. You know,
0: right? Me, and, I'll, t- I'll take that club experience any day of the week. Any day of the exactly, week. Exactly. Exactly. Just a reminder, the Just Joe podcast is brought to you by EJA Moving Services. Located out of Utica, Rome area, they helped move me a couple years ago. They were fantastic. Check them out, ejamoving.com at 315-335-0516. The Just Joe podcast is brought to you by the Royal Auto Group and Salesman Supreme, Jason Allen. He knows how to make a deal. Trust me, he's a good buddy of mine. I've seen him do it. You guys looking for something new, something pre-owned, something new to you? Take the short drive down 81 to Cortland, New York to the Royal Auto Group. They have four different franchises there. They have Chevy, they have Buick, they have Nissan, they have Subaru, and they have many lenders for any credit situation. Their service is open for all your vehicle needs as well as the state-of-the-art body shop. So stop down and see Jason today. Theroyalautogroup.com or find Jason on Facebook and tell him that just Joe sent you. The Royal Auto Group home of the no-hassle razzle-dazzle a $400 referral fee. This is just a reminder that the Just Joe Podcast is brought to you by Advantage Hardwood Floors Incorporated 315-463-0674 for all your hardwood Ford needs. So let's let's go sure. back to local like what was the first I mean what was the first band or couple bands that you saw in the Syracuse area that like you're just like holy holy shit like kind of blew your mind like in in and maybe this is before the show, or after the show, or around that time when you were just kind of dove into the music scene. Like, what couple bands like blew your mind or artists? Well, the,
1: well, I mean, the flash cubes to me were—they were riding that that whole new wave, ray you know, wave that whole thing. They were—they came out all this, the same time as all of the there was big bands like the Police and U two, and they just had so much energy and, and drew such a great crowd, and you would just. You'd leave that show and you'd feel like, holy crap, these guys should be huge. Um, they, they always impressed me. They, I mean, they still just do. always did.
0: <laughs> they still do. Um,
1: but th- then you had different kinds of bands, too. You know, like the New York Flyers were more like a KISS type band, show band, because they had the flash pots and, the, and more of the costuming and, and the, the big, that big sound, you know. So there's always Syracuse always had a, a really cool collection of bands that represented what was going on in the music industry and musicians that could really pull it off. And, you know, it, you know, you'd get a band like 805 that was really great at the progressive rock sound of like Genesis. And, and then when they came out with their own album, and there's bands that could draw like that, a Todd Hoban would be like a equivalent of like a Bob Seeger or Bruce Springsteen for this area, you know, with, with that kind of a, mainstream all American sound. And there was, there was just bands that could put on a great show on any given night of the week. I'd go to, to see Eddie Hamill in the works and just get, I mean, I I'd stay for all three sets and just be worn out at the end of the show, you know? Three, <laughs> so, three sets. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Well then, yeah, it used to be, you know, and then they'd ha- sometimes if they didn't have an opener, it would be one night with three sets or, you know, times have changed. Yeah, That's
0: t- times all t- times. You know, have, and- times have definitely changed. I mean, I remember when I first kind of like, I mean, you were in my introduction that once I got in the sound check and it was shortly after that, you know, a few years later when I really Sunday night was my night with the radio. Like I didn't give a crap what I did all day. I would go outside and play with my friends, but Sunday night became my night with the radio because this is how Sundays would roll out for me. I'd listen to you. I'd write down all these bands. I would sit there with the new times because I lived out in Central square. And I mean, to this day, I mean, it's only twenty minutes away. But when I was a kid, I felt like I could have, it might have been a thousand miles away because I never got to the city. We never went to the city. If we went anywhere, we maybe went to Pen Cam Mall. So, like, reading <laughs> yeah. about reading about all this stuff and listening to you on a Sunday night, that was how I read about these bands. So I would listen to you, and then listen to Doctor Demento who was on after you. Oh up. yeah, oh yeah. I, and I would tape, I would tape all that, you know. And I remember really when I got hip to everything is when the masters of reality were taking off. And that was like, when yep. I was like, my God, I was seeing pictures in the new times and they looked so like mysterious and you never see their faces when they're taking pictures. All oh, the, you know, they played on uh, Easter on at the lost horizon and you saw these pictures. I'm like, man, it looks so cool. And then I finally heard some of their music pr- prior to that record being put out with Rick Rubin. And I remember I told my mom I'm like, man, this this record's coming out. We have to go to Panke. We have to go to Panket Mall to get it. And I remember standing in line to get uh, the Masters Reality record. And that was the, really the first band that like just blew my mind. And to this day, is still well, my favorite band to ever come out of Syracuse.
1: Well, the, the thing is, we're still playing the Masters because we. Play, I mean, thing is, we play local bands every hour, every day of the week, in, including Soundcheck now. So I've got over a 100- hundred songs in rotation from local artists that go back to the flash cubes and the masters of reality all the way up to today. So we're still playing the masters. And and one of the funny things about them that you brought that up is that when they did a, a Halloween party back in the day when they were, you know, like 89 or so, 89 or 90, they did a Halloween party at the landmark theater and they played up in the right upstairs, not on the main stage, but upstairs and I had plans to go to that party and I was got approached. I think it was by Chuck. He said, listen, we've got this band from LA.
0: <laughs> it was Guns N' Roses <laughs> the playing at the Lost that night, weren't they?
1: That, that's right. <laughs> he gave me a cassette, an advanced cassette of the Guns N' Roses album. He goes, can you just cut like a, a 30 second spot for these guys? And I said, well, yeah, who are they? He goes, there's some an up and coming band from LA. And I'm like, all right. So I cut the spot, you know, Tonight, to, to the Lost Horizon, Guns N Roses, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, I went down to the landmark to see Masters of Reality because that's the band I really wanted to see. And that's yeah. some, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, you yeah, never I,
0: know. I, I, to, I tell people that story all the time because when I started working at The Lost after I left Brand New Sin and Greg and I would just sit up until like four, three, four in the morning after the place closed and just getting stories. I mean, God bless Greg's soul. I mean, I really wish Greg was still alive because Greg probably had more stories than anybody in this town that could just tell. And and I would just sit there and he pulled out this new times ad from that week, that week, guns N' roses played on, on, um, Halloween the night before, like, and there was a bunch of local bands like Axiom, but the night before that was like, Faith no more in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> a double bill. Yeah. It was in the same week, you know. And he's like, "I'm like, how did Guns N' Roses do it?" They like, he goes, "They did all right." But he goes, "We had The Masters Reality. We we're doing their big show at the landmark that night, so it really like <laughs> cut into it." I'm like, "Dude, that it when you I go, you, you just said that out loud." I'm like, "That's crazy." And, and if you go on YouTube, that show is actually up on YouTube. You can hear the crappy, like, I don't know if it's a board recording or someone had a tape recorder in the audience. You can hear the Guns N' Roses show from The Lost. It's up on YouTube. Wow. So Well, I mean,
1: just the sheer amount of bands that came through The Lost oh, alone, you know. Definitely. Seeing the Black Crows in their debut, that was still one of the loudest club shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Who would have thought it was the Black Crows? But they were so loud, I couldn't. I was trying to talk to Greg at the front door, and all I could, <laughs> we were trying to read his lips. I
0: couldn't even hear them at the front door. Was that the show that George Rossi played with them, or is that another time that they came back? I think that might have been the second time they came through. But I'm not sure. You'd have to ask
1: him for sure. I I can't Again, my memory is hurting a little bit on that one. But, (laughs) you know, seeing seeing bands like that and and King's X and and the Stray Cats, and, I mean, just just so many you run out of, you know, every genre of music it's being represented at the lost horizon and, and you know, that was the club to go to. And, and there's no club like that right now that, no. that puts those kinds of bands in there. So yeah, it's, um, I'm just glad that uh, we were around during the time period when all that was taking place. Yeah. You I, know? Mean, I, w- I, w- I watched
0: <laughs> it from afar. I literally was like every week, my dad would bring me home the new times cause he worked in the city. So he would, he grabbed the new times for me every week and you know, then I'd sit there and read the, you know, idle chatter and find out what the heck was going on with the music scene and just looking at these ads and reading the articles. And that's how, that's how I got into it. And so it wasn't until like I turned 21, uh, that I was able to like really dive into the scene. And by then, you know, my friends were playing in bands and everything else, but like up until then, from, you know, the age of 10, you know, that, that decade, um, from the mid eighties to a, the mid nineties was all that. That's I've how got, I got a, got a
1: black and white picture of uh John Bon Jovi wearing a, a 95X t-shirt that we'd given him, he kind of ripped off the sleeves and the neck of
0: it. Of course he
1: did. And it was at the Lost Horizon on their first tour. And, you know, when you think about Bon Jovi being at the Lost Horizon, I mean, it's just, again, you know, we were, we were fortunate to be at the right place at the right time when all of this music was taking place and the the clubs were rocking around town and then the dome opened up and then MTV hit. I mean, the, it was a perfect storm for, for music in Syracuse. And so that really helped fuel, I think the the future and, and musicians like yourself that came along afterwards, you know, because so much was going on at that time when people are in their formative years, you know, catching all of this stuff.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I tell people, man, we have a really rich history here and, and I've been around the country and, um, and I've seen a lot of great scenes. I've been to places, you know, I've been to the places where like, oh my God, Seattle. I've been to Chicago, you know, all these places have these great scenes and there's still great scenes. But I mean, I've I I I tell people, I'm like, man, we have something really special here. And that's not just me saying, Oh, because I'm hometown pride. It's me just having perspective of being around and seeing what everything's like. And like I don't think people realize how special that is. And really what drove that home is the one year that um, Liz was doing the Sammy Awards but was trying to do the little music conference that was in and around yep. it and she had Bob Lefset come, come as a speaker and he had spent a few days here and he even said that he's like I don't think you guys realize how good you have it here and I mean this guy has got his finger on, on the pulse of the music industry for decades you know he's so widely respected anything he says somebody's going to react to so for him to say that I was like yeah exactly I don't think because there's not one genre, like you said earlier, you're like, Hey, you had Todd Holman, in this genre, you had the flyers with this genre. We're reflecting it. There wasn't one genre of music that would define our city. Like Seattle was really defined by grunge or, you know, Chicago is defined by the blues or New Orleans by jazz. You know, we really have a mixed bag of everything here and always have.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, the thing that really fuels that now for us is that that um, it's so much easier for for bands to record. There's so many, you know, you can be in a almost a home studio and get stuff that you would never have been able to get 20 years ago. And that combined with the fact that people have so many more influences now. I mean, I can I get sometimes artists send me an MP3 of something. And I hear it. I'm like, I, I, I can't even believe it's local. It's, it's, I mean, I, you really can't. I can. That's why we can play local bands in and out of classic rock songs, and they don't. It, it's not like it stands out.
0: Right. Right. There, there's being, an, It doesn't. It, the quality isn't like. Oh my God. What? The, why? Is it something? Because that would be the case back in the days. So like you said, in the beginning, as a sound check, you only have, like mostly demos. So like you couldn't put that up against like you know. A ZZ no. Top, they'd be and like, wow, that's a huge Now you quality. can play
1: a local band into a national artist, and the only thing that makes it different is it's a little less familiar. Yes. The sound quality in many cases is as good if not as, you know, better in some cases. It's crazy. And that alone, you know, that that's what defines what we play now. If somebody gives me something that doesn't match up to the quality that of everything else that we play, I go, look, you know, I like kind of what you're doing. Keep doing it but you got to realize the bar has been raised.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Absolutely. And I think about that all the time because I mean, the last record I've done, I'm not only just my last record, but a lot of projects that I work on now, people are like, Hey, I'm going to send you the stuff here. Like just recently I re just did the new theme song for, the big show now that he's over in a different different wrestling organization and they contacted me and they're like hey can you cut this i'm like yeah i got everything here and they sent me over the stem of it and i cut the vocals here and two days later it was worldwide it's got a half a million views on and, and like, I'm, they're like, hey, where did you record it? I'm like, right here in the same microphone I'm talking to you on right now. Like I did yeah. it right here and I did it in my computer and I zipped it over in a Dropbox file and that guy made the magic. And they're like, wow, I'm like, dude. And my daughter comes in here all the time. Daddy, I want to record. So I just put up everything and she knows how to like use this technology. And it's like, man, I can't imagine what, if I had grown up at the age of, she's eight and having this technology at my fingertips, like what you could possibly do with it later on.
1: Yeah. I had the, I had the same thing with my granddaughter put together. She, she wanted to do this little home project of, of doing some arts and crafts and stuff. And she put together a video of, of her new business, you know, and it was, it involved cuts and, and segues. And I'm like, how did you do this? She goes, I did it on my phone with this one app. I'm like, are you, what? You know, it's like I don't even get it, but the fact that these there's kids that are that have access to these programs now, it really it's it's good news for for creativity going forward because they have they have tools that other people never dreamed of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even get a I didn't get a four track recorder until I was like 22 years old. You know, I finally got enough money to go buy a Tascam four track. I mean, prior to that, I was just like recording little demos or ideas like on a boom box sitting at my piano, my mom's piano, <laughs> you know, I still have some of them and I'm just like, wow. Now my daughter can sit down and literally be like, uh, dad, I want the, you know, I want the piano sound from the actual Abbey road studios. Cause I have the whole plugin of every instrument recorded at Abbey road. So wow. you can get all that and she can just grab that or like, Hey, I want the piano that's sitting in the Boston conservatory. You know, you can get that, you know, it's like, what the hell? Like before you are like, we got to get a piano tuner and we got to block out this time and it's going to cost a ton of money. Now it's just a matter of just time, just a matter of time. And, you know, taking some, you know, the rest of, to do it and you don't have to, you can still go to those studios they still have a warrant, a lot of it, but a lot of those studios just don't, they're, they operate in such a different capacity because they're doing so many different things other than this, Hey, we got a band here for a month. You know, every day, things are yep. changing. Things are changing, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But so, future future of radio, and we keep talking about it. But like, do you see it just keep constantly evolving, or do you see it? I mean, do you ever see it going away? I mean, can you admit that? Well, you know,
1: I mean, no. I, I mean, even if I'm not in it, I can say that it's not going to go away. There's, you know, it's always going to adapt. AM radio kind of faded for a while, came back as a talk radio and a sports type thing. Um, FM radio has evolved. Um, I I think that, you know, as long as it's a free format and people have access to it a variety of different ways that it's not going anywhere. Again, the the problem that I see with it is, is getting people to run it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. well, that, that, I, think, I, think, those- I think that's what it is because I mean people like you and, and the other people that have been in this industry and the people that are running the radio stations are getting, they're getting older, you know? So it's like, where's the younger batch of people that are excited about this, this, this technology and where, you know, moving it into, you know, to the future, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing the is finding,
1: the, finding the people that, that also believe in that it's important and that it can be fun and, let them decide what the future of it's going to be, you yeah. know, I mean, because at this point I enjoy doing it, but you know, I'm ready to retire at some point. <laughs> yeah. You um, deserve to retire. Job, you deserve deserved to retire. My, my job is, is it's a semi retirement job right now. I'm, I'm basically a part-time worker, even though I'm programming a station working seven days a week. I'm considered part-time and, you know, I'm getting, I'm now I'm drawing social security for crying out loud, (laughs) living in, you know, so it's like, who's coming in next. Yeah. Um, and, and what do they want to do with it? How are they going to change it? You know, how are they going to adapt to, uh, the platform the way it is? Will they change that? There's a lot of questions that, you know, that, that people have to figure out, but radio as a, as a, it's not going to go away. It's just not. It's uh,
0: as long as you can it, still get a radio station in your car. I think it's never going to. That's never going to change. Well, you know,
1: and and the thing is, is that that even even if you can, even if fewer and fewer people have radios, radio stations to me aren't defined by being on a radio dial. Right. as much as being defined on having somebody that understands what they're doing and, and curating music and presenting it in, in an entertaining way. I mean, you know, I listened to my station in a car all the way down from Syracuse to Florida nonstop. It never faded because of the stream. I had it through my Bluetooth. So it, I was listening to my car radio and you know, the stations nowadays, a lot of them, basically, uh, you know, simulcast, which means they what they're playing on the radio dial, they're also streaming yeah. the, the exact same thing. One one station I think that was
0: so ahead of the curve on that was KNAC, K N A C. Uh uh-huh. I mean, they were doing it. I mean, one of our first radio interviews in L.A. was on KNAC, and we're like, "What is it?" They're like, "Oh, it's it used to be a big radio station, but now they're on .com." I'm like they what? And they're like, yeah, they're on, they're on the in their internet and they're still existing to this day, but that was, you know, that was 20 plus years ago that they were doing something yeah, like that. And, you know, so
1: radio is going to always be a, again, a, something that it's going to be there. It'll complement the stream as opposed to it, the stream complementing the radio. So you see what I mean? It's going to be, yeah. and, and so maybe they, they find a way to be niche marketed for people that don't have internet or want to hear on a radio it's you know and and in the the event that you know 10 20 years from now the radio dial somehow does disappear or becomes really small you know the, the idea of radio to me it'll it'll continue as a stream as long as stations want to make it you know make it that way yeah you know as it is now there's some of these streams um, are trying to add DJs to their, you know, algorithm-based formats. So they're, you know, they're trying to take things that aren't radio stations specifically and turn them into radio stations. So uh, <laughs> it's, it'll be interesting how everything shakes out yeah. as to who's competing with who and doing what.
0: Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's exciting because I think there's still some people that uh, that that that's still truly believe in it but i think you know over the next decade we're gonna see some crazy stuff happen you know i mean it, i'm just yeah. my, my world that it, it, it has evolved into becoming i mean i play maybe five or six gigs a month where i used to play 25 gigs a month because the maj- i make my living sitting at home now in my studio yeah. you know and it, building this gigantic audience online Everyone's like, well, what, you, you don't want to play it on Wednesday night? I'm like, no, I'm going to come to play for it. Not that I don't want to come play for 20 people, but Wednesday nights I'm usually playing for four or five. Last night I had 2,000 people and average 600 over the course of the night. I'm like, I had a packed club in yeah. a small in a small theater for most of the night. And they're like, what? I'm yep. like, yeah, I'm like, it's, this is where it's headed. And I've networked with musicians. Like now instead of this local scene, I have this Twitch community that I've built and right. like, we got musicians from all around the world that we've like all helping each other out. Hey, let's do a collab together. Let's do this together. Let's, Hey, you want to write together? My last record that I just put out, I ended up co-writing two of the songs on the record, with people that I met on Twitch, some of them being le- literally legit platinum selling artists that wrote songs for all these country artists. And uh, you know, we've networked, that would have never happened before. This is like, yep. wow. This is so cool. Bob Holt
1: is doing that. Yeah. Bob Holt has done that over the last few albums. He's had people like Stanley Clark and Larry Coryell playing with him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cr- because yes. he's just approached them. They had a, didn't have other things to do. And he gave them a reason to record with him and, and, you know, that
0: never could have happened. Yeah, fr- before. Fritz did that from mm-hmm. Fritz Polka's man from his last yeah. record. I mean, he, he had some heavy hitters on. I'm like, how'd you get it? Cause I just asked them and I met yeah. some of these people <laughs> and they said yes. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that. And they're like, yeah, man, you cause you cut some people that like got some free time. It goes a little bit easier when the pandemic was happening. Cause nobody was touring and nobody was working. So everyone's like, yeah, I want to stay creative. And you know, next thing you know, these people are saying yes to it and they don't have like, uh, you know, they don't have record labels, that were like back in the day you had to get everything cleared through a record label. And then like, Oh my God, you got to go through all this where now artists have some more autonomy as to what they want to do creatively, which is really cool. So then you have something like that. So it's, it's exciting. I tell everybody, I go, it's an exciting time. 20 years from now, we're going to have a different conversation than we did 20 years ago about like, Oh my God, everything's falling apart. And the record labels have fallen apart. Now it's really in the hands of the artists and the people that want to make the, the art and you just build this small little team around you that completely believes in you. You know, Ice T said it on this podcast not too long ago. This would be a good way to put it. Is he? He goes, "I don't even." He goes, "I've got platinum records on my wall." He goes, "I only need ten thousand fans." He goes, "No, I need, I need a thousand fans." He goes, "That's all I need." He goes, "But he goes, everything I put out." He goes, "If I put out three albums, three EPs a year," he goes, "At ten dollars a piece," he goes, "That's three. He goes, "Every time I put that out." $10 a piece, that's $10,000, that's $30,000. So he goes, I put out a couple pieces of merchandise. All 1,000 people buy all that merchandise. And he starts going through all his stuff, and he basically is like, I just grossed a half a million dollars by just putting out six products and having 1,000 diehard fans. He goes, yeah. I, he goes, I made more money doing that with 1,000 diehard fans than I did selling 5 million records on Sony.
1: That's the thing. It's targeted, it's, it's direct to the artist, and it's – worldwide distribution. And yeah. all of those things together give you the opportunity, like you said, and, and certain artists have taken advantage of that, that you don't need a record company. You just need to have that hardcore group of fans. Yep. And, and and keep and, and super serve them. You yep. know? Yeah. And uh-huh. so I mean in, in some ways that's what I do with not only Soundcheck, which is geared you know, totally towards local artists, but the Soul Shine show I do on Sunday we have more people listen to that than any other time of the week, the four hours that that's on, because it's it's a really carefully curated collection of, of old and new music, like FM radio was back in the early 70s. Yeah. And I get more people that listen to that and comment on that than anything else we do. And those people carry that, that whole four hours, the way that they talk about it, the way that they interact with each other online, the way that they share it with other people. I've got people listening all over the country during those four hours. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Whereas before but, you would have just been like, Hey, if you as soon as you get past, like, you know, weed sport, you can't listen anymore. It's like, Oh, it's exactly. I'm past Cortland. You're like, you're only reaching now. It's like you can reach that. And if you get a couple people like, you know, in California, like, Hey man, I'd really check out the show. And then they say something and it's a numbers game.
1: In, a friend of mine in London, just started listening and now she's posting on her page to all of her friends over there to listen in which which is now uh, it's sunday mornings here it's afternoons in london so it's, <laughs> so you know the, you can make ripples yeah um in, in a much more uh fin- financially beneficial way than you used to be able to so yeah it's it, everything's changing it's just a matter of people that, you know, change with it are the ones you're going to succeed. Yeah, you
0: know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've had conversations where people want to keep trying to do some things the old school way. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I applaud you. And I'm like, I respect your musicianship and I look up to you and everything, but I'm like, man, I just don't know if that's going to work anymore. Like that, that worked maybe worked 10 years ago. definitely worked 20 years ago, but it may not work now. Like things, things are so different now. I'm like, you can still do that. You just got to, change change it a little bit, sharpen it up and do it. It's, 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 it's fun, but but it's been real. It's been real cool to see the journey of the rebel because when that first happened, I'm like, Oh man, and I'm sure you probably had that feeling like, Oh, like, what are we going to do? You know, is, is this going to work? You know? And, and you knew in your heart that it would, it's just like, okay, let's make sure. And then two years later, you, you, it sounds like you're more happy or not. It sounds like you've gotten back to a place where it was when you were first getting in the radio, you found like, like you've that, yeah, instead of love.
1: instead of instead of just going to work, it's it's now it's creating something. Yeah, it's creating art in my own way of, of of painting a different picture every day with with you know more and more songs to choose from and you know this month actually we're celebrating ten years as a radio station. Ten years, it's, what, two it's years. A, it's, been, wait
0: a minute! It's been ten years already. <laughs> 10 oh,
1: years. I started. shit. It started in January of 12. Oh my God, that went fast. <laughs> I know. And now it's been two years off the radio dial. And people were like, oh, well, we'll give that six months. I'm right. like, yeah, well, <laughs> guess what? You know, we have more people <laughs> listening to our stream now than, than we ever had.
0: That's crazy.
1: So, yeah, well, I mean, positive 10 I years. There. I, uh, you know, starting up a new station. In 2012, was not something a lot of people thought would happen. A lot mm-hmm. of people wrote us off then, like you said. Yeah. But, you know, if you give, if you find the people that, that are looking for what you've got and you super deliver to them, then you'll be successful. And we knew that there were enough people in town that used to listen to the old 95X or that were into the local music scene or that wanted to find music they couldn't find anywhere else, that if we could super serve them, we could do okay. We wouldn't need a million people, but just oh, the hardcores. Yeah, you that's know? what that goes
0: back to. Like, I need is one thousand people that just literally will live, eat, breathe, and die. That's because those thousand people eventually turn into fifteen hundred or seventeen hundred. It's like it just keeps rolling, man. And that's what yep. it is. But man, and I'll we be- do it through merch too.
1: I mean, we, you know, our rebel merch sells really well. You know, we've got hoodies, long sleeve tees, work shirts, tank tops. I mean, it's a, we actually sell a good amount of merch online Jeez. to people that want to have the brand, you know, it's not just a set of call letters. It's a brand, you know, it's a tilted skull with headphones. So it's, yeah. it's a
0: brand. Yeah, and man, that's <laughs> you know, that, that's cool. That's kudos to, to you, because I'm like you said, a lot of people are going to write that off. And a lot of people might have looked at you and were like, oh, well, you know, Dave had a good run, you know, and Dave had he, he had a good run. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there was people out there that said that. I mean, obviously, and, and you might have thought that even yourself, but you're like, no, man, there's, there's still a lot of time. There's still a lot of music. We can do this. And, and kudos on you for, like, embracing that technology because a lot of your contemporaries that have been around for that long might have not embraced that and would have held on to the past way too hard to the point where, yeah – they died off, like not literally, but like figuratively, they, 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 their career died off because they were refused to embrace tech technology and you did.
1: Well, it's, you know, I've been unfortunately to be in a situation where that's been my job description for since 78. Like I said, it went from, you learn to go on turntables and tape splicing tape to, you know, working digitally with waves on a computer. I remember the first time they said, we're going to be doing all our editing on a computer. I'm like, I can cut faster on tape. You know, it was like John Henry and the steam engine or whatever, you know, it was like, but I, and then I stubbornly decided that, you know what, this is way easier than cutting tape. (laughs) You know, it's so much easier. And there's so much more you could do to be creative with. So it's, and everything I've learned, I learned on the job. In, in real time because when I was at Cortland State we just had we had a state of the art college radio station but it was two turntables and a microphone and some cart decks and everything else that's come since then I've learned as it happened just saying okay now we're now we're going to do this and I'm like oh okay I remember making the switch to CDs it the, it happened literally within a period of a month everything went from albums to CDs. And we're like, well, I don't know about this. <laughs> you know? So you just can, you know, as long as you just, you're, you're willing to accept the technology and, and embrace it and figure out how best to use it creatively, you'll be successful, you know?
0: Yeah, man. Well, kudos on you, man. And then I'll let you get back to some of the sunshine. I actually have to do some editing myself after this for the, the, uh, the other podcast that I have coming out. And you, I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, Episode 50 is coming. That's like a landmark for me to have episode 50. And I didn't even think about it until I sat down. Now I'm like, all right, you know, I'm putting, you know, typing this up and, and writing some things up. I'm like, holy crap, David's episode 50. So I, I don't think that could have been more fitting and serendipitous and like synchronicity, whatever you want to call it. I appreciate your time, man, always. And I appreciate your, your love of the scene. I'll appreciate your support of any project that I've ever done over the years too. And I can, I'm probably speaking for a lot of people on that regard. So,
1: Well, thanks. Like I said, I, you know, I I benefit from the the people that I've had around me. And, you know, if I'd have been in some other places, it might not have been success to the degree that I can make it into now because of, you know, the the artists that I'm surrounded with. You know, it's it's, it's just being able to, you know, be identified through some of the people that I've played on the air. I mean, that's that's a huge that's a huge help that makes things a lot easier, you know. It is, man. So, uh, you know, it's, it's mutual. It's definitely yeah. mutual.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, tell the wife I said hello. Stay warm down there, and uh, and and we'll see you when you get back in town, man. Until until then, I have a, when a, this goes up, it'll have all the links to all the different things that you do, Soundcheck, to The Rebel, uh, to Soul Shine, everything that we talked about. So uh, um, enjoy the rest of your day, man. And, again, thank you for your time, Dave.
1: Very cool. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate
0: right. it. Take care, man. God, I could talk to Dave all freaking day. I mean, we're only scratching the surface of the stories that that guy could have. I mean, I think you guys listening could hear where we could have went down a completely different road or gotten deeper into a lot of things. But there was so much I definitely wanted to cover with Dave. I mean, I mean, again, for someone to last this long in the radio business is almost unheard of, pretty much unheard of. Because um, like I said, a lot of his contemporaries are people that are are they're just not here anymore. They, they may be, they may have gone, you know, like, or they've gone out of radio or they just couldn't move with the times or they're stuck somewhere where they're like, they're, they're, they're a shadow of their former selves, which is okay. I mean, that's what happens. Life, life happens, but. What's made Dave so successful, one, is he's absolutely passionate about everything he does. You can hear that when we just talked. He's completely passionate about not only just, you know, the local music or what he does. He just loves music. Dave loves music. And he kind of fell into this haphazardly. This wasn't like, I'm going to go to college and become a radio DJ. No, no, he was going to be something else. But his love of music kept him there. And, I mean, I can't. God, so many of my shows over the years that Dave came to, or so many shows that I'm at and Dave was at, you know, just like I will always have the utmost respect for Dave for introducing me to so much music and to, like I said at the end, just for supporting everything that I've done. Um, That's, there's very few people. There's very, very, very few people out there still doing that. And very few people, that are his age that are like willing to accept the new technology move with it. And that's what's, it's, it's a Testament. It's a Testament to what he does. I'm definitely going to have him back on at some point because there's a lot of sidebars we could have taken in that conversation and gone deeper. Um, But I hope you guys really check it out. Make sure you get check out on the links on my social medias to, to the rebel. Uh, uh, You can listen to anywhere in the world. You can listen to amazing music. Dave always plays amazing music. Uh, You can check out the local music that he features on Soundcheck, which is also something you can stream online. And also that amazing show, Soulshine. Shine. If you're really into like um, just like a, a very modern classic rock bands or Americana or uh, just that side of the music that doesn't get the the, the forefront anymore, that's the place. You're going to discover new music from artists that you've known for years. And you're also going to hear new artists that are inspired by these artists. It's it's a great freaking show. So kudos to Dave again, thank you for being on. Episode 50 in the books. Man, what the next 50 episodes going to bring. I don't know. I'm literally looking at my list coming up. I got a list of about 13 people that I want to have on the show and this is going to be exciting. And this week I start recording episodes of the rock and podcast. Stay tuned for stuff about that. I keep talking about, but it keeps coming closer and closer and closer. I love you all. Thank you for listening to the just Joe podcast episode 50. Yeah. Yeah.